Good morning, Silver family. If we haven't yet met yet, my name is Jeff, and this is my wife, Karen. Uh, I'm an elder here at Soma Federal Way. This is the fourth in a series of five, uh, series where the elders and wives are reflecting on 2020 and uh, our journey, and, ha and we're happy to be a part of that. The first week, Justin and Darianne shared, uh, spoke about the importance of paying attention to their inner feelings and how to process that with the Lord and with others. Justin and Kate then led us through uh, the topic of gratitude and how uh, being grateful is really an ongoing state of worship and spoke about ways we can practically kind of grow our gratitude muscles. And last week, Chris and Stephanie shared some of their reflection, reflections and process of 2020 and talked about how they abide in Christ. Uh, today, Karen and I are going to talk about uh, moving from hopelessness to hope. In the beginning of the year, Justin sent out uh, a document called the Annual Examine. It's, it was something that Karen and I found very helpful and would encourage you to look at it if you haven't. Uh, we began asking questions about ourselves and, and feelings and emotions came up. And in going through it, <clears throat> it kind of led us to discover that perhaps uh, we have a bit of a misplaced hope in certain things. It got us on the topic. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, the Lord really strengthened, uh, our, our, our hope in the Lord was strengthened. But in other, other ways, we kind of looked and said, hmm, I wonder uh, if we should make some adjustments. I think a couple of the questions that we asked ourselves, one was where is our hope and what do we put our hope in? Not only during this time of, which is a different time of a pandemic, but also in life. When, where do we put our hope in, and where is our hope? Last week, my sister asked Karen and I to come down and help her move from her home she's lived in for about 30 years. And while we were doing that, we were in the basement, and we found this old trunk. And this old trunk is, uh, both my sisters had them, if you're not old enough, that girls had... Uh, these trunks, they're, they're called a hope chest. And a, a hope chest is where a girl would put things for her future home, uh, for her future marriage, kind of a dowry. And uh, we opened up my sister's hope chest, and there were certainly some things that she decided she didn't want anymore and, and some keepsakes. And, you know, I started thinking of on the word hope and, and seeing this, that if, if there was a hope chest inside of me, What's in the hope chest? Mm -hmm. So before we decide what's in our hope chest, let's decide what hope really means. Let's define it. Um, one thing is it's a feeling, an expectation, a desire for a certain thing to happen. And I have to say, um, one thing, a question that I'd like to ask you is, where in your life have you experienced hope? Was it when you met your spouse? Was it when you bought your first home? Um, was it when you had your first child? Is that where you put your hope and you thought everything was going to be great? How about landing that first job? Or even as a little child, that Christmas gift. You remember back when, when you had the hope for this Christmas gift that you thought you were going to get. This past year, we have 10 grandkids. And so at Thanksgiving, I thought I'd do a little something special for them. And I would get little gifts to give them just to say that I was thankful. Nothing big, a couple bucks each. And I think one of my grandsons, when I told him I had a gift for him, I think he, in his mind, he was hoping it was that gift, like a Christmas gift, that big gift, that one of those 
every time he's over here on a commercial comes on, he says, Nana, I want that. I think he thought it was one of those kind of gifts. Well, when he opened it and he saw it wasn't, he was really disappointed. His hopes had been kind of dashed at what it was. You know, now, now we have grandkids that think that they get gifts at Thanksgiving and Christmas. But I was also thinking of a time when uh, there was some misplaced hope in a gift. And, and th at this time it was me giving the gift and hoping that it was, I was hitting a home run with Karen. And uh, it was one Christmas and it was near Christmas. Karen thinks it was Christmas Eve, but it was near Christmas. I walk out of the pharmacy at Fred Meyer and I walk... And I'm thinking, hey, I need a gift. And there's the jeweler. So I just, we're on the corner going to the jeweler. And I find this set of pearls. And I buy these pearls, a pearl a necklace, earrings, uh, maybe a bracelet. And for me, the best thing about the pearls was it was in the best cherry box I think ever. you like the box more than the gift. I love the so. box. And I'm thinking, I'm going to, I'm getting the box <laughs> after she takes the pearls. But she's going to love these pearls. So I bring them home. Put them under the trees. Uh, Christmas morning, she opens the box and she's saying, "I've already got a set of pearls. I this really, I got, you know." So she took them. Isn't back. what I hoped for. Yeah, it wasn't what she hoped for. <laughs> so she takes them back. So and the story gets a little bit worse because not only did I put have a misplaced hope in that gift, but the next year, around Christmas, Christmas Eve, probably could be Christmas Eve. I come out of the pharmacy, I go around the corner, I need a gift, I see these pearls. I love the pearls, I love the box, I buy the exact same gift. I bring it home, I put it under the tree. So this time Karen's not only disappointed because she already has pearls, but now she's disappointed that I've given her the same gift she didn't want twice. Yeah. So, so a little I'm, bit of misplaced hope. But right. all to say, you know, there's nothing wrong with having hope in things. It's just that sometimes it doesn't work out. Or even when it's over, uh, it's over. We put a hope in a vacation right. or, or an event or something, and you put too much hope in it and you have a letdown. We kind of felt that uh, after Christmas. Christmas yeah. After Christmas, mm -hmm. we felt a bit of a letdown. And I think that these hopes that we have um, are only, they're temporary. They, and they cause us to continue to want to look forward to the next thing and the next thing we put our hope in. So they're, they're, this kind of hope is just kind of a temporary thing. Yeah. So <clears throat> we know that the challenges that we've personally experienced in 2020, uh, like I said, are a little bit more inconveniences than devastating as other people have experienced. But I think most of us have experienced um, kind of a misplaced hope or even a bit of hopelessness as we've dealt with feelings of stress, navigating relationships, and, you know, how do you distance, how do you not distance, mm -hmm. uh, Fear, uh, really fear of, uh, uh, of this virus, uh, sadness, grieving. Uh, some people uh, uh, certainly have suffered. I mean, losing your job. Uh, or getting COVID. Uh, or getting COVID. Certainly people have passed or know to somebody uh, that is in pain because they've passed. Um, um, you know, I, I, uh, I think a lot of people have experienced a lot of things. But in looking at this topic... Um, we listened to a lot of people, um, read a lot of things. <clears throat> I was interested in trying to find uh, a learned person who had gone through some significant trauma in their life who spoke about hope. I just thought that ha that had a bit more relevance. And um, I found a person I don't often listen to, Rick Warren. Uh, and Rick Warren lost his son, to, uh, took his life, uh, 
due to men mental illness. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he did a, a bit of a survey uh, after that uh, on hope. And he uh, really started looking at hopelessness. And why, what are the conditions under which people find that they're hopeless? And I think that <clears throat> some of these things that we're going to say you might have felt this year, some of these feelings of hopelessness, I know we have. Uh, the first one is feeling of abandoned or alone. And I know that being isolated and in lockdown, a lot of us have felt kind of alone. We haven't been able to be with our friends. The students, your, your children, have, have not been able to be around their peers. Um, your grandparents or the elderly have been not being able to get out if they're in a retirement community. They haven't been able to leave. Um, and yeah, we know people that haven't left their homes at all. Right. Um, and it's almost like they lock themselves not only in their home, but in their closet in their home. Right. So yeah. there's been a lot of this feeling, uh, of this hopeless feeling of being alone and abandoned. Second one is when, um, when, when hopelessness comes is when uh, we feel life is out of control. Like we have no control. We can't fix the problem. And, and you see that often like wars or natural disasters, pandemics are examples. But, you know, even for Karen, I know that um, uh, with our, our grandson that mm -hmm. many of you know with Landon, he's uh, special needs of, we're, we're not in control. We can't fix the problem right. all by ourselves. I'm a fix-it type person and Landon's not verbal and I would love for him to be able to speak. And so many times, you know, I think, okay, okay. And God is just reminding me that, Karen, I've got this, and I'm who you put your hope in, and I have to do that. Uh, the third, <clears throat> the third uh, way that we might lose hopelessness is when we feel we don't have a purpose. And so um, for people who believe, like, my life doesn't matter, I'm insignificant, um, um, I've got no purpose, I've got no reason bigger than myself to care about, um, Next one would be uh, perhaps grieving a loss, a significant loss. Um, um, oftentimes a person, it could be the loss uh, or an estranged child uh, or, or a job mm -hmm. or, or even a move, the loss of community. We've, we've, we've all had to grieve that. Um, I just wanted to, to say another person I, I listened to is a girl that I happened to go to Africa with in 2010, and I, I kind of lost track of her uh, after that, but she eventually married a gentleman from Sierra Leone, and they came back to the States, I think, to prepare him and her to be lifetime missionaries in Sierra Leone. That was their dream. They're, they believe God called them to, to do that. While he was here, he was working on the family farm, and he, uh, through a farm accident, um, became paralyzed. And so she was speaking about her hope in the Lord, and it was really motivating for me because all of her temporary, this, this life's hopes had been changed, and yet she could find hope in the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, the next one that we talk about is when you... Um, you're, the hopelessness you feel when you lose your basic needs, you're, they're not met. And we see that a lot right now because we see people losing jobs and then they can't afford food and our housing. So your basic needs are not met and you have this hopeless feeling. Now Chris has seen that with homeless. I've, see, I've seen that too. Just the look of hopelessness in their eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, the next one 
guilt or shame. So think about past sins that we can't just seem to loosen ourselves from. Um, really the unbelief that Jesus paid our debts on the cross, that his blood covers our sins, that I really, I really need to add to the blood of Christ. I need to feel guilty. I need to feel shame. I can't be released from that. So when we're in a constant state of guilt or shame, it can lead us to hopelessness. Another one is when you've been wounded by someone. I think um, all of us have probably been wounded in some way in different um, it looks different for everyone. Some through abuse, you know, whether it be physical, sexual, emotional abuse. Some through words that a, a person has spoken to us that have been wounding and hard. Uh, maybe the child who has been bullied, you know, those are wounds that um, it's hard for us to look beyond. Um, next one is when temptation wins over and over and over. For me, it's right here. You know, I, I want to get healthy. I want to get I want to get smaller, have less Jeff around. Um, but um, it's a struggle, and sometimes I feel hopeless. But also other addictions: food, alcohol, drugs, pornography, uh, being pulled back in when you think you've been free, and you could be free ten years and get pulled back into those things, and then you feel like I feel hopeless. Right, and the next one is fear. And we've talked a little bit about that already, the fear that we have for our health from the virus, financial security, job loss, those are all fears. Chris and Stephanie last week mentioned a verse in Matthew that I just loved, and it was the, uh, the story of Jesus in the boat with the disciples, and he's asleep, and the wind and the waves arise, and the disciples are afraid, and they wake Jesus up. And Jesus kind of rebukes them, and he says, why are you afraid? And I realized that they really were fearful for their life. And that's a feeling that this year most of us felt, whether it be this much or this much. Yeah, when our, un, um, our, our longings are, are unmet, the ones that we just talked about, these hopeless feelings, um, it's only through God that we can find the strength and hope. A hope that can fulfill the longings of your heart is Jesus. Oh, and we missed the last one. The last one oh. is when you feel you're on the losing side. And I think that's really important because as Christians, if you look at the way the world's going, it doesn't seem like it's headed towards the Lord, right? And so it feels like we're on the losing side. Uh, but remember, Jesus said, hey, it's finished. He said it on the cross. Uh, I have overcome the world. We know who is victor in the end. We know we have inheritance in heaven. We know what's waiting for us. And so... The truth is, um, it might seem dark now, but uh, Jesus wins, and we're on the winning side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Romans 5 tells us that uh, we've been justified by faith. We have a peace with God. Through Him, we have obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand, and we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only that, we can rejoice in suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through his Holy Spirit. Yeah, so Paul in Romans, uh, it's a great entree to start looking at biblical hope. Um, but you can see that he connects faith, hope, and suffering uh, to hope. Now, <clears throat> the, really, it's only, the, it's only God who can address all these basic needs. So if you look at that list of 10, uh, another way to look at them is we need community. 
We need order. We need a purpose. We need comfort. We need to be free from fear, guilt, and shame. We need power over sin. We need courage to live this life, and we need victory. And only the Lord provides those ten things. When we look at biblical hope, you know, biblical hope is defined, it's a forward expectation in God to bring about something good and satisfy our deepest desire now and in the future. And oftentimes when you, when you see the word hope in the Bible, it's connected to faith and suffering. So 1 Corinthians it talks about the uh, Spirit of God and um, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Oftentimes, you know, faith gets kind of squished between the two, or hope gets squished between the two, um, but they're connected. Now, looking at faith quickly, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, uh, the verse that we memorized, many of us, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is believing in God and in His ways in the present and the past. Could be for the future too, but think about, for example, how did we get here? Well, by faith we believe we're created. We don't believe uh, that we're a happy accident through evolution. We believe by faith that we're made in God's image. We believe by faith that Jesus rose from the dead, a historical event. Those are convictions that we hold, belief. Biblical hope is really more of a future tense. It's setting our heart forward on someone or something, preferably the Lord. So hope is forward faith looking to the future. And in the Bible, faith and hope kind of fuel each other. Oftentimes it comes through suffering, but our faith is built, as our faith is built, so is our hope. And as our hope gets stronger, so is our faith. Now Keller describes four attributes of Christian hope that I think are worth sharing. Number one, Christian hope is reasonable hope. And it's reasonable because it can be attested to. Our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus is historically proven. 500 witnesses uh, 12 disciples who abandoned Jesus at the cross, then 11 gave up uh, their life for the sake of the gospel. Um, um, it, it's, it's well documented in scripture. It's a reasonable hope. It's reasonable to put our hope in the gospel of Jesus. It's also a full hope. Reasonable first, second, full. That the hope that the, God, that the Lord brings us to us, it's real. It ends in love. It ends in a mended world. It ends in heaven, that we have uh, an inheritance in heaven. Thirdly, it's realistic. So Christian hope doesn't minimize suffering. In fact, God shows you, let me show you how suffering can lead you to me and give you hope. And lastly, it's effective. It works. Christian hope throughout history has worked for, uh, at many times for many people. For example, in the time of slavery, the, the songs that the slaves sang were all about their future in heaven. And it, it, it held them. And we, we were talking about, we were looking back at the time uh, around when our parents uh, lived or were born. So if you were born in the, uh, say, in the early 1900s and lived, um, you would have experienced, you got to enjoy one World War uh, World War One, 1915. I think um, 
uh, Spanish flu 1919, uh, Great Depression 1929, late 30s World War II, and if you live long enough, you got to enjoy Korean War, Vietnam War. And all to say, I, uh, I'm just saying that people throughout time have found their hope in the Lord. It's not just us today. Um, even times when I would say perhaps are even harder than what we're experiencing. I mean, like, I don't get to go to Azteca. Uh, <laughs> and there's other things. So I don't want to minimize it, but I'm just saying mm. that um, God's hope is, has been everlasting. So now think about hope as an anchor. Um, your hope is your anchor. So think life is like a big ocean. Okay, it's big, it's vast, it's dangerous. Think of you as a boat. You're either a dinghy or a rowboat, or you could be a yacht. Which would you rather be? I think we'd all rather be the yacht. And I don't mean just because of the comfort of the yacht, but obviously the, the yacht provides more safety. But another thing the yacht does is, is it goes through the water, think of the wake behind it as your legacy. So if we want to make a difference in this world for the people we love greatly, and we, and we want to leave a wake, we need a bigger boat. Okay? The bigger the boat we have, the bigger the anchor we need to hold the boat in the times of trouble. Hebrews um, 6.19 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner peace behind the curtain. And I love that verse because hope isn't just this squishy word. The scripture says that hope is our anchor. Mm -hmm. And so it, hope is worth looking at. It's worth pursuing because it's so important to ground us with the Lord. I think we have to remember that Jesus is our anchor. And that brings hope when we can remember that when we're going through trials or in this world or in this time of life, that he is that anchor. He is that stronghold for us. As we look at scripture, we see so many promises. And isn't it amazing that God gives us his word to be able to read and see his promises and give us that hope and give us that encouragement to hold on to what we had in the past, the present, and the future. Ephesians 1, 16-9 says, I do not cease giving thanks to you, remembering that you and my prayers. Thank you, Jesus, that uh, Paul is praying for these people and remembering them in his prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you know what is the hope. What is the hope which he has called for you? That's a great question. What is the hope that the Lord has called for you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us to those who believe? Yeah, so I love that Paul's telling the people he loves in Ephesus, hey, everybody, get your eyes up. Look at your inheritance. There's great hope in what God, in his greatness and his power. And he's given it to us. Um, the next uh, scripture, and there's a lot uh, that I love, though, uh, is 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. And it goes like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope. Our hope is not dead. It's a living hope. Mm -hmm. Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith 
for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Okay, mm -hmm. there's the suffering. Mm -hmm. so, that, <clears throat> so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy. Okay, so now we see suffering, faith, hope, and joy. You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So, through these two verses, here's how I see it. It seems like God has given us a lot of these things in the world that we can really be hopeful in. There's nothing wrong with being hopeful in them. Um, but then we have this inheritance in heaven that would blow our mind. And what we tend to do is put a lot of hope in what we can see and touch and a really little bit of hope in heaven. We don't even understand it. Like we think we're going to be floating around in clouds. We have, um, we don't really think about it. And I think God is saying, hey, could, I really encourage you to reverse that. Mm -hmm. Put your hope up here with me. And, and when, you, when you put hope in the things that I've given you and, and stuff, it's fine. But, but connect it to me. I'm the one who gave it to you. Again, back to the gratitude that uh, mm -hmm. Carl Buckles let us in. And I think that we have to also remember that here on earth is just a dress rehearsal. You know, we, God's blessed us with so many amazing things, and it's been awesome. But this is the dress rehearsal. This isn't even the best. The best is going to be when we get to And heaven. it's this short compared to yeah. a life to eternity. Uh, That's eternity. Right. Yeah. So, so here's, here's our question. Our question. So... What, what's it? <laughs> Why I? So, what is in your hope chest? And here are some practical steps for you to kind of refresh what we've said that you can check and see if these are in your hope chest. So, number one, uh, go back to that list of that I gave you and see if you can resonate with any of those words of what might lead us to hopelessness, and ask yourself if you're experiencing any of them. And the second one is understanding that the Lord is the only one who can satisfy your deepest longings. I think it's really important to, to, to say it and, and, and want to believe it. That's the beginning of belief to say, God, I don't, but I want to believe it. To, to believe, Lord, I know that you're my only hope, but please, please cement it in my heart. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I know when time gets tough, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to look everywhere else but but and leave you out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to you uh, and you alone for my hope. The third one is look to God's Word. God's Word. These are such amazing promises that God gives us in His Word. And, if, and look regularly and fill your hope chest with God's Word. So <clears throat> the Scriptures themselves, the Scripture attests to itself on building our hope. Mm -hmm. Romans 15.4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The very scriptures, the words on the page, as they penetrate our hearts, as they put them through our, our minds, they lead us to hope. Um, the scriptures are packed. Almost every page has a story of hope, an example of hope, a person of hope, uh, or pointing to the person of hope in Jesus. 
Lastly, um, is to pray. Luke 18.1, Jesus says, hey, always pray and never lose hope. He connects hope to prayer. Because when we come into the presence of God, His Spirit strengthens us. He infuses hope into us because of His very presence. And let me give you an example of one prayer that we see in the Scriptures, so connecting prayer and the Scriptures. And I know it doesn't surprise you when we say to build your hope, read your Bible, and pray. But, But look at this. In the Lord's Prayer... In Matthew um, 6, 19, Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I think the church later added, For thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Some churches add that, but wasn't in the original verses. But I want you to look at this table, and I want you to just see how one prayer in the Bible matches every one of the ten things that we brought up that talked about hopelessness. So you can see how, if you look through that, you can see how they're connected. Um, Loved ones, if you find yourself lacking hope, don't feel guilty or ashamed. It's, it's not easy for any of us. But be encouraged because if you want hope, Jesus says, come to me. I'm, I am the living and the true hope. I'm the one that can, that can address your deepest desires. It, it'll take faith. You're still going to go through suffering. You're still going to go through trials. But trust me that I can give you the hope that you're looking for. In closing, uh, we wanted to read... Romans 15, as a benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the source of hope and that uh, you call us to yourself. So God, please strengthen us to look to you for hope that would lead us to joy. May the sufferings that we experience um, lead us to you. God, we're grateful for your protection and we ask for it. We ask for your, uh, your comfort, your care. Uh, please, please mend our hearts, God. Please, um, please be with us, Father. Thank you for um, our church. Uh, you're the senior pastor of it. And today, Father, we not only pray for ourselves, but we pray for our city, the churches here in our city, for our state, and for our nation, God. We pray, Father, uh, for a new administration, that they, God, would know, know you, and they would glorify you. And, and um, God, we pray for the best for them. And thank you, God, that you've uh, given us a place where we can openly worship you. And we don't take it for granted. Because in you, we have much hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.